she just threw you for a loop. I by know. Saying, I, I know whoa. because because I think a lot of people out there think osteopathy is a, is an Eastern medicine, and it's ancient. It's not a you know two thousand year old practice. The whole geo philosophy really goes back to treating mind, body, and spirit. There's a lot of people out there who are like, you know what, I just don't really like to take medicine. Yeah. And if that's the case, then we have other alternatives that we can offer them, and that's the best part. If you're at the Derby, the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> somebody has some rash and you give them a karate chop and they're all good. <laughs> Can't say that's ever happened. Never happened. <laughs> but it could. Did... Her chutney name is the Chutney Boss. Oh, Chutney right. Boss. Okay. <laughs> and then Samir is the Chutney Ninja and you're the Chutney Doctor, right? Correct. Be kind to yourself and others. Eat well and finish your foods with chutney. <laughs> <laughs>
there were no actual antibiotics at the time. So he, I guess, A.T. still himself had gone through multiple tragedies in his own family. He had lost three children to meningitis uh, within a year. He had lost his uh, first wife. He had lost uh, a newborn child as well uh, to just modern diseases of the time. I can't say modern diseases, but diseases at the time. And uh, he himself thought, well, as a physician, I couldn't help my family. Like, I couldn't protect my family from death. Like, there has to be a different way. And he lost a lot of family members, he, too. Yes, he lost a lot of family members. Like I said, three three to meningitis within the same year. Um, and that was after having fought in the Civil War, <laughs> as well as <laughs> and seeing the multiple tragedies there. Yeah. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. then... Uh, so his philosophy was... Uh, and I think he incorporated a lot of a religious philosophy because of his background. Like I said, his father was a minister. And so his philosophy was if we had God on our side and medicine on our side and we couldn't help save these people and we couldn't help prevent these things and there has to be a different way of practicing medicine. And so that's kind of where the the philosophy of osteopathic medicine came from is he studied anatomy to no end. I mean, he would he would study anatomy day after day after day and his his idea was that the body has the ability to, to heal itself. Um, if everything in the body is aligned the way it ought to be, if every vessel is flowing the way it should be, if every nerve ending is free the way it should be, if the lymphatic fluid is flowing the way it ought to be, then the body has the ability to heal itself. It's like a machine. Yeah, exactly. And it's exactly how he described it in an autobiography, actually. Okay. In his autobiography, he he compared the human body to a well-built engine. Okay. Exactly what he did. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so... He, he says the disease doesn't have the opportunity to present itself if all of these things are aligned the way they should be. So what what made you decide to go this path? The osteopath. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I, I just, something about the philosophy really resonated with me. You know, I mean, it, it's true. Like when I was looking into becoming a physician, I had to keep asking myself, like, why do I want to do this? If your only answer is because I want to help people, that's not a good enough reason. There's so many ways to help people I like in this that, world. yeah. So you had to ask yourself, well, what is it about this philosophy that really resonates with me? And, and I think that, you know, I've, I've always been passionate about prevention, um, finding wellness, <laughs> and promoting wellness. Uh, and this philosophy just hit a home run with that, with me. And, so I'm sitting here just stunned and shocked by all this information. <laughs> I should have done more research on you. Um, I'm but glad. I just this know is, you. This makes so. it better for today. <laughs> so the burning question now is like, you're you're you went to medical school, uh-huh. so you're an MD, and you're a DO, so Doctor of Osteopathy. So is that right? So graduating from Kirksville, I'm a DO. Okay. Okay. So the school actually makes it so that I am practicing as a DO. So all DOs in modern society really practice very similarly to MDs in a lot of ways. Not always. And I'll explain those differences. But we can do surgeries like MDs. We can enter into any specialty alongside MD colleagues, prescribe the same medications. From that standpoint, there's no restriction on the way that we practice. Okay. Like I said, it's more just in the philosophy behind the way that we practice. Um, so depending on the school you go to is the way that you get your title, uh, essentially. So based on the fact that I graduated from Kirksville, I am a DO. Uh, but I did do my residency in family medicine alongside MD colleagues, uh, and we had the same curriculum. I just tended to incorporate the whole 
the whole patient philosophy into my practice a lot more. And uh, we did in school, the difference is we, we have like 200 additional hours of um, osteopathic manipulative training uh, that we have to undergo as well as the, the rest of our medical school curriculum. Now that being said, because the residency that I attended was both a dual, it was a duly accredited and this whole accreditation system is changing so it doesn't make sense to get into that. But I did have to take my board certification exams for both the DO side as well as the MD side. And so I technically have a double board certification as a DO as an, as an MD. Fascinating. An okay. So now I can explain that to people when I'm like recommending them to go to you because that's or you can always... just have them listen to the podcast. Yes, yeah. even better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> even easier. <laughs> okay, so how long have you been practicing now? I graduated from residency in 2016, so I'm two years out of residency now. Nice, still fresh. Okay, out of the water. <laughs> and, and how how long was residency again? I know you just residency said... was three years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And so, how, are you glad to be back from Missouri to Colorado? Uh, very glad to be back home in Colorado. <laughs> I, I, I did my, my residency was in Chicago, so I did have a, a brief stint there. And okay. That was fun, oh, but yeah. I'm definitely glad to be back home in Colorado. Yeah, we we're both from the Midwest, and yep. we love Chicago. to be in Colorado. I miss the mountains. Yeah, and the, I like the dry air, except for the smoke that fills the air. <laughs> What, what's your what's your remedy for that humidifier a humidifier is a pretty good one okay <laughs> don't leave your windows open with the fans blowing in all night so now i have another question about this this do thing because i want everyone to know that it's like they can go to you so if medical insurance right mm-hmm. you can take all the same insurance i mean you it's it's like the same thing it's correct not... yeah no we take medical insurances just based on what you know like our office policy yeah we, we sure. take insurances and but it's not like you get turned around like turned down because of, like acupuncturists do or like I just want people to know that you are a doctor and it's like the same insurance there's not exactly yeah I practice if you come to me with a cough or a cold I practice the same way as anybody else would yeah you know? okay. stick out your tongue and say ah uh, and yeah. if there's a medicine that needs to be prescribed you'll do that too yeah yeah exactly Gotcha. But if we have other therapies, or I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are like, you know what, I just don't really like to take medicine. Yeah. And if that's the case, then we have other alternatives that we can offer them. And that's the best part. Yeah. I want to tell a story about you, Nate, because your back is just... Shoulder. Yeah, your shoulder. <laughs> but um, it seems like your ribs are always popping out yeah, of place or something. Yeah, that's a crazy thing, isn't and it? And it's causing all this pain. Yeah. Um. So you go to Dr. Valasia and and she like manipulates and and it feels better. And now I can even help push your ribs back yeah, into you can place feel and where you they can are. feel them and it helps <laughs> with some some pain. It's crazy too. <laughs> I never condone spousal abuse. No, <laughs> right. <laughs> it is amazing though. But it was just amazing to learn that like that your ribs that, like align everything else and that was causing all this pain for you yeah yeah Yeah. i I mean among other things but that was just a piece of it and if and if you know that and we can help that it's great yeah and the way you know from my experience the way that you do it isn't you know what is it uh in in kind of rack them and crack them it is not that you lay down sometimes and just for a minute or two you move a rib (laughs) 
Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. And then the breathing it, like opens up your chest and you breathe better and it's it's quite amazing really. Mm-hmm. And there's all different kinds of spine. I mean, I know I'm stealing your thunder. This is your thunder right now, but. <laughs> no, I like to hear your perspective, actually. You know, it's good to have that patient perspective as to what you feel when I'm working on somebody. Yeah. Um, and, and then if I have the flu, I can come to you, too. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that's one of the things that I want I want everybody to understand as, as well. Yes. So moving forward, what are some of your areas of practice that you, you like the best? Or my most biggest, challenging. Maybe. No, my biggest passion, I think, is preventative medicine, right? So I think definitely the saying that an ounce of prevention is worth a... Did I say that right? Yes. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of treatment. Yes. Yes. Um, I believe... I, I really believe in that. Um, so I believe in routine wellness checks, and that's one of my, my favorite things to do, uh, especially, you know, with, with young adults as well as, you know, aging adults. Um, I love pediatric care. Uh, kids are phenomenal and they say the greatest things and uh, the best part is is you can give them back at the end of the appointment (laughs) just uh, just joking on that one but um sure but but I I really do I love working with families I I think the best part of family medicine is I get to work with families you get to know you get to know the grandparents you get to know the the parents you get to know the kids you get to know all the cousins and the you know because a lot of times families are are coming to you as a whole you get to know what their stressors are as a family. You get to know what the genetic diseases are that run in their families because you can see them. You can look for early warning signs based on, you know, what you've seen in previous generations. I um, think that's great. I mean, how, yeah. like, we don't get that. Like, I don't know any families that, very many families that go to the same doctor. And, yeah. and it was like that when we were younger, yeah. for right, sure. Yeah. And it was like this, this whole family just this whole (laughs) whole family practice (laughs) right (laughs) and it's not so much anymore and i'm sure it's determined by who has what insurance and and so we get down that road again but um yeah i love that yeah that part is difficult i mean uh you know for sure i'm very fortunate though working in a small private practice still uh there aren't a lot of private practices around still um and so i think that's what helps promote that idea yeah nice so what about, uh, tell us about some, I, I guess, some different approaches that you have to to some certain ailments. And I, I've got some notes that I wrote down and mm-hmm. three of the ailments that I wrote, you already, you already went into one with the, uh, yeah. with the rib cage. Um, <laughs> but so like back issues, shoulder pain, migraines, cold flus, and even like psychosomatic, like what are some of the differences in the way that you're some of the different approaches that you would take to some of those ailments. Right. So we can start with back pain. I mean, back pain is probably uh, one of the most controversial things in, in medicine today because of because of the opiate crisis. Right. Yeah. That's something that's yes. very well publicized. Exactly. So a lot of back a lot of back pain for so many years has been treated with just narcotics or narcotics and like you know surgeries or. Um, you know, now injections and steroids and a lot of different things that, that potentially can work, but so many of back surgeries may not actually be the root of the problem. Like it it may not fix the root of what's going on. Um, There are a lot of beneficial back surgeries that, you know, have helped a lot of people and, and don't get me wrong, if it's needed, it's needed. But so many other, other times there's so many failed back surgeries. I don't know if there's a pretty, there was a pretty large statistic between, between, you know, 30 to 45% 45% of back surgeries not actually helping the ailment because maybe that wasn't the root cause of it. 
Yeah. So, so it should be last resort, essentially. So that's, yeah, absolutely exactly. Absolutely, last, exactly. Last absolutely resort. last resort. Um, and so from our standpoint as a DO, we have, we look into other, other modalities, obviously, you know, and, and I think most, I think most doctors are going to look into physical therapy always, no matter what. But I think that, you know, it's not a quick, easy fix, I guess, is the best way to say it. So when you're, when you have back pain, it's going to take effort on the part of the patient as well. And then the physician to look outside the box for other treatment modalities. So that's where things like acupuncture can potentially help. Some people have had benefit with that. And then osteopathic manipulation, once again, that is another tool. Because if from a skeletal standpoint or from a muscular standpoint, you know, muscles can be tight, hamstrings can be tight, you know, so as muscle can be tight and people can have, this can all manifest as back pain when really the root of it is somewhere completely different. Okay. Um, so I think my philosophy, my approach to it is, um, you know, I take a look at somebody, I examine somebody, I say, where are these muscles, like what muscles do you have that are tight that could be affecting your back? So we look at the muscular assertions into the hips, the pelvis, you know, the low back. We take a look at what are your feet doing sometimes because you, we, I mean, think about how much time we spend on our feet as, you know, as society. We spend so, I mean, that's, we spend a lot of time yeah. like walking around and doing things. Uh, and if we or sitting hunched over, or sitting hunched over, exactly. So it's either, either way, any of those two things can make a significant impact on our, on our low backs. Um, so it's, it's a whole, it's a, when I, so when I examine somebody, I'm taking a look at like, is everything aligned the way it should be? Um, are, are they using arch supports if they need them? Do they have flat feet? Could that be impacting the knees that are then impacting the pelvis? Do you put your wallet in your back pocket? Yes, exactly. A yeah. lot of men, they sit on their, on their wallets. And, and they, they have two and a half, three yeah. inch thick wallets. Exactly. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. That makes a, a very significant difference. Do you remember Costanza's wallet? <laughs> <laughs> Super thick, two yes. and a half incher. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he was just going for height. <laughs> so yeah yeah so, so that's so so with back pain i think that in, instead of necessarily prescribing the opiates we take a look at other modalities or you give a short course of the opiates to help with the short-term pain and then utilize the manipulation and the physical therapy efforts and the strengthening efforts to to help with it but you know i think it's important to know that with the deal philosophy it's not always the quickest fix um but i do think it's a it's a very uh, I do think it's a very sustainable long-term solution yeah. in, a lot of, in a lot of circumstances. It may take all, longer, but it's more long-term. Yeah, fixed. and it can be, yeah. yeah. And it's a whole body. I mean, you're looking at the whole body. I mean, how many people want that? They feel like they go into a doctor and you just tell them what's hurting and you get a prescription. Or you but, go to physical therapy. Or And then yeah. you go to physical therapy. But how nice to have someone look at everything yeah. that could be causing it. All right, so how about what is the difference between a chiropractor and a DO? What explain like some of the differences manipulation between manipulation versus adjustments versus adjustments? Well, I think the overall difference um, is that from a chiropractic standpoint, they're mainly focusing on the skeletal adjustments um, and the skeletal alignment, and some chiropractors are doing you know other work. But for the most part, mostly skeletal alignment and skeletal adjustments. From an osteopathic standpoint, we incorporate the skeletal system as well as the muscular system, the fascial system, lymphatic system, circulatory system, and then the nerves. So we're, we're essentially incorporating all of It's a lot of more it. inclusive. It's a lot more inclusive. Yeah. As kind of A.T. still mentioned in his philosophy of keeping vessels open and nerve endings open. 
you know, when you're paying attention to your anatomy, you're taking a look at are their nerves being pinched here? Are their vessels being impeded? Is your diaphragm moving well? Because, you know, your major blood supply to and from the heart go have to go through your diaphragm. You know, so you want to make sure that everything is open and, and allowing it. So I do a lot of soft tissue. I do a lot of I do a lot of myofascial release, but anything to, to work any of the tissues as well as the bones and joints that could potentially impeding flow. Say what a myofascial release is. <laughs> so a little fascia. massage to a certain area of the fascia and the muscle. So the fascia <laughs> is, a, is, is like a tissue. It's a, it's a very thin but very tough tissue that surrounds a lot of organs. And so it's a, it, it, I guess when you're getting it done, it probably feels like the equivalent of a little bit of a massage, but um, it's not the intent to loosen it up like you would when, when you're actually getting a massage. So it's just feeling, you know, sometimes the fascia can get wound up. So it's a matter of feeling, is it tight in some which way? So is it pulling in a direction it shouldn't be? Once again, it's knowing your anatomy so that you can know what normal is. So that way when you get your hands on something that feels abnormal, you know exactly how to change that. Okay. Yeah. So I want to tell everyone, like, you, maybe just listening to Dr. Valesia, you feel like calm. And but when you go in, it it's like you're laying on this table and someone is releasing toxins and oh yeah, right, stretching you in ways that feel amazing and it's very like peaceful. And yeah, you and have you this, can like, feel the toxins released the rest of the day. Of yes, just like peace and yeah, and feeling like something's gonna get better. Like she's gonna figure this out, and it's all gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she gives hugs sometimes at the yes. end too. I almost always give hugs. Okay, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so okay, um, we talked so. I want to know, talk about migraines. What are some of the issues around migraines that you're seeing? I, I know that a lot of them are going to duplicate from what you just talked about, but let's talk yeah. a little bit about migraines. There's a, a lot of causes of migraines and a lot of underlying, not only just underlying causes of migraines, but a lot of like exacerbating factors. So it's difficult with migraines because somebody who's had migraines forever, you know, and with manipulation, we may or may not be able to make a huge difference. Uh, sometimes we can, and sometimes we can't. So, but once again, it's it's utilizing the same techniques that we discussed uh, of making sure that everything is aligned, making sure that the tissues around and supporting the skeleton are also free and freely moving to then go from there. But there's a lot of um, head and neck manipulation techniques that can be done uh, because if it is a structural component, then there is a lot of there's a lot of relief that somebody can get from that. If it's not always structurally related then they may or may not benefit as much from manipulation or they may get temporary relief from it. Um, but it may not be the, the, the one thing to cure all, of course. But, um, but we, we have it as a tool in our toolbox that, that can be very beneficial for migraines. Yeah, and as debilitating as migraines can be, it's yeah. definitely worth a shot. Right, and I've had patients who have, you know, they've, they've been in the middle of a migraine and the manipulation will help at least, at least, you know, cut it at that time, or it'll help decrease the duration of their migraines. That's pretty you know? cool. Yeah, because if you're if you're missing work, you know, for for four or five days a month because of a migraine, and you cut that back down to two days a, a month, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that more than pays for itself coming to visit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So okay, um, did we talk a little bit about colds and flus, oh. just in the way that? 
Right. So there are actually a lot of uh, really fun like sinus drainage type techniques, improving lymphatic flow techniques that can be used for cold and sinus. Um, so whenever somebody has a cold, I do manip- you can do manipulation on that as well. Oh, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you can actually do, uh, like I said, the, the sinus drainage technique, but pretty much the whole key is opening up your body's lymphatic system to allow it to do all the work for you. Okay. Body's I'm imagining you do a manipulation and then somebody just starts leaking. Uh, it's happened once or twice. Has it really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, excuse me, I have to get up and blow my nose. And it was just, I was like, all right. That's great. That's probably good. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first time that happens, you're like, oh, my God, it worked. <laughs> That's <laughs> <Did> something. <cool. laughs> so, okay, the, the last one I have on here is, is psychosomatic. And I just threw it in there because I was trying to be as broad as possible. So. Is there any type of psychosomatic ailments that get cured through or assisted? Can be helped. Yes. Through osteopath. That's a difficult one to say. Um, for that one, there, you know, I mean, in terms of research, this is a, this would all have to be anecdotal because even research, it's it's hard to, it's hard to prove that something that we don't know exists is actually completely psychosomatic, right? Just because we can't find something doesn't mean it doesn't exist in their body. You know, that's something that I think medicine is limited. Uh, limited to is we don't know everything yet <laughs> you know yeah and so sure uh so i think like you guys mentioned i mean it's good to have that patient perspective some patients can just come in and feel peace that you know That's we're trying to just get the body aligned and adjusted so that my body can do its thing so i think from that standpoint you know it can be beneficial uh i don't i can't say that i've particularly used it for something like that um, but that's how I can see it can be helpful. Okay. Well, and I mean, if you've got migraines or chronic pain mm-hmm. and that gets solved, that probably is going to help out a little bit with uh, your overall mental health as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and I mean, I th- the, the whole deal philosophy really goes back to treating mind, body, and spirit. I mean, you're treating like every aspect of, of, of one's being. And I think anytime you're doing manipulation, you are doing that because... You know, you are, you're, you're showing them that, that one, you care <laughs> and two, that, you know, there are other modalities instead of just, you know, yeah one way. Yeah. I, I think that's so cool. I, obviously we both think it's cool because right. we come to you for help. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in your, in your experience, whether it's back in medical school or in your practice, uh, tell us about some crazy event, some treatment, or it could be it could be in your life in general. Um, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, if you're at the Derby, the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> somebody has some rash, and you give them a karate chop, and they're all good. <laughs> Can't say that's ever happened. Never happened. <laughs> but it could. I did, it could potentially. <laughs> it reminds me of this Downs one time. time. <laughs> but I have been to Churchill Downs, so maybe there's nice. some truth to that story. Yes. <laughs> I just um, like to bring it all together. <laughs> Um, no, I, I think that once again, it, I think it goes back to some of those manipulation stories. The first time you actually feel that like release and you're like, oh my God, that actually worked. Um, because you're not sure if the way you're doing it is correct when you're learning it. Um, and I think that was the beauty of AT still is he, he like, he always, he never really taught techniques. He taught anatomy so that you could kind of create your own techniques. Oh, that's um, cool. And so I think that a lot of students right now are, are worried, is this technique working? And, and you don't know because you're just trying to follow some protocol maybe uh, and and so I think that when you when you kind of learn how to feel and you kind of get comfortable with your anatomy 
and you're doing this, you're like, oh my God, something actually worked when I actually helped somebody, when I released something. Um, and that was a really cool, like interesting fact the first time I ever had that. There are some times where, and this kind of freaked me out once in, in medical school, where sometimes very emotional scars can be kept in a, in a physical manifestation in the body, um, is what we noted. So when you're doing manipulation, at times you can release some of that. Um, and so I, I'd seen it and done it once where I was working on somebody and the next thing I know they started crying and I did not understand what I just did. Because the techniques- <laughs> Did you hurt them? I thought, well, I was like, I know that the techniques that I just used are not hurtful. They're not painful. They're not, you know, I'm not okay. um, jumping on somebody's back so that I just like, I didn't pop it to make it hurt. Like, I don't know what happened. And it just turns out, she's like, the patient just said, I don't know why, but I can't stop crying, but I feel so much better. And I think it was a, an emotional something that was being held onto that was then That's manifesting so in the neat. body yeah, as, as yeah, in, in, a, in a physical way. So that surprised the heck out of me. And <laughs> <laughs> I was a little shaken up for a couple of days because I didn't know that existed. But then I talked to other DOs who've had, who have had very similar experiences when working on people. And I felt a lot better. <laughs> like, oh my God, That's I did amazing. It's yeah. really cool. I mean, yeah. I, I remember a time, I don't remember what you were doing, but you were doing something and, and you were like, oh, oh, God. Like, like what was that? <laughs> As though some, and I know it felt good. Whatever it was, I remember it felt amazing in my back. I bet you that gave a lot of reassurance. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it actually did. It made me be like, oh, that means something neat just happened. <laughs> So one of the really cool connections that uh, Kimberly and I, and I have to you is, um, and you know, how is, how is it that Edible Economy today <laughs> is, is talking about, you know, is talking about DO and, and how is that a connection to the food world? So we're going to get into a little bit deeper connection that we have in, in just a minute. But um, so healthy eating. Mm -hmm. um, everybody's got different stories about healthy eating. There's 10,000 diets out there. And so one of the aims of our show is to, is to dive into uh, more than just you know the business of local food. But we want to talk about eating healthy and diets and the environment and the edible economy and mm -hmm. the impact on the local economy and everything. So from a health perspective, mm -hmm. what, what is healthy eating? <laughs> I know that's a broad question, and it's it's so that's a subjective. Very broad question. Yeah. Um, I don't think we had three hours. To talk about this, so. <laughs> no, um, you've got three seconds to answer that. <laughs> Six words or less. Moderation. <laughs> moderation. If I, moderation. Had, if I had only one word, it would be moderation. I know, but uh, you hear moderation a lot. But it, you know, to somebody who goes to McDonald's every single day, three times a day, if you tell them moderation, they're like, "Oh, so I only go once a day." That's not moderation, you know. <laughs> Moderation no, for them. <laughs> no, it's true. Um, so there's a there's a lot of definitions of healthy eating. I mean, I think even the AAFP just came out with their recommendation. What's the AAFP? The American Academy of Family Practice. Excuse okay. Me, yeah. Came out with their recommendation that says that the healthiest heart healthy diet out there is the Mediterranean diet. Okay. So, um, <laughs> but I think, I, I do think that healthy eating uh, and comes with eating foods that are high in nutrients Okay, low in saturated fats and sugar and, um, you know, high in fiber as well that carry nutrients and antioxidants that can help you with your, you know, help reduce the risk of 
heart disease and, and diabetes. Now, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> um, right. Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, once again, it's, it's making sure that, you know, when you like for most meals that you're eating that, you know, your plate is built around very healthy vegetables, like lean proteins, whether that's animal based or plant based, you know, and then potentially a little bit of starch if you wish, you know, but that's where the moderation comes from is that you're building your, your plate around the most nutritious food, which in a lot of cases is fruits and vegetables. Okay. And, and, and there's, there's a, a shift away. I don't know if, if you know, but there's a shift away from the food pyramid right now because it is very, very, very grain heavy. And we're discovering it's grain and meat and dairy heavy. And there's a lot of the diets out there that are healthy diets are don't eat grains, cut down on your meat, and don't eat much dairy. And as part of the food pyramid, I think they're kind of the base of that, right? Or are we in a we in a world so we don't know one of, one of the things about that the food pyramid what, well, one of the butts. Well, one of the points that I'm driving at and this we talked a little bit about this is that so muscles that if you have if you have identical twins and everything is similar about them I, I was just listening to this really cool story and it had uh, if they ate the exact or I'm sorry if they did all of the same working out um, and they you know took the same amount of water but if one of them ate McDonald's and one of them ate like healthy salads and stuff like that and then they had the exact same body fat and lifted you know let's say they could both bench press 220 the person who's or 500 I don't know whatever is a huge amount um, the person who uh, the person who, 220 for you right yeah right okay. right, right yeah with my right arm sure um, <laughs> The, the the person who does their who's built their muscles on a, on a nice diet of of you know healthy salads and stuff like that two weeks if they stop working out two weeks later that person's muscles are going to be a lot better than the person who built their muscles on McDonald's or They're fast Mc- food in general. I just like to say McDonald's. Okay. I know that there's something about saying it, but I just I like to say McDonald's. <laughs> I don't know if I can attest to their muscle health, but uh, I feel like the the cholesterol levels would be drastically different. Okay. Um, you know the the damage for for arteries. Yeah, the the risk of heart disease, the risk of diabetes, um, would be increased. I think that. You know, there's a lot of potential research coming out now with how f- certain foods can cause inflammation in the body. Um, and I think that it's very person dependent. I'm not sure if every single food causes, every, like, you know, inflammation in every single person. Sure. And I think that that's where some of the diets, you know, condoning dairy are coming from is because in some people, dairy can definitely cause inflammation. Um, but I do think that, you know, that would probably be the biggest difference between the two, the two twins is is the the increased risk <laughs> due to the inflammatory uh the inflammation that they were they, they were exposed to yeah and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of diet information out there right now that talks about inflammation in you know in sugars and i think Which tom brady's never even eaten a strawberry or something popular right yeah yeah Strawberries. Oh, is the Mediterranean diet? Is that a low inflammation Helps with diet? Inflammation. Oh yeah, that's a right. A little bit, yeah. And it's supposed to be high on antioxidants and good healthy fats as well. That's the big thing. Is it's supposed to be good okay. on really healthy fats. So I think it's not as much about cutting out the bad as it is increasing the good. Um, is the easiest way to describe the Mediterranean. Um, Whole thirty is a diet that's really trying to kick out with the inflammatory um, 
or any any sources of food that that can cause inflammation. So that's no grains, no dairy, no okay, um, no soy, uh, no sugar. So it's a lot of it's a lot of those things. But then you can introduce them back later after you do the thirty days to see which which of those substances cause the most. The inflammation. Oh, your okay. Body so that's what that re that slow yeah. reintroduction, yeah, that slow reintroduction is. Okay. is for. So, so I think that, you know, um, you know, every diet has a, has a different philosophy, <laughs> uh, for sure. sure. Whether it's cutting out the bad or adding more of the good. <laughs> but everyone should add more of the good. I agree. Right. So that's why like bagged washed salads are so amazing and people should use them more. Although and I still know wash them before you, you still use want them. them to be washed. Yes. Yeah. Which makes them not as convenient for people but (laughs) (laughs) um that's a really easy way for people to eat more vegetables and get some more yeah vitamins and nutrients um aside from fruit which is the easiest because you could just wash that right but then those have sugars as well so but I think then a lot of people, they, they start eating healthier consciously when they're consciously trying to eat healthier, and then they feel like they're hungry all the time. And, and so, but there's some great new grains, not new, but just becoming more popular that are full of protein right. and don't have all the carbohydrates in them and, and the sugar. Like our hemp hearts? Hemp hearts, yeah. yes. Yeah. We love hemp hearts. Yeah, they're yeah. delicious. Put them in everything and, and on everything. Yogurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the key the key is even with eating healthier is to get the good fats right so the good fats and the good the healthier leaner proteins are going to keep you satisfied longer okay so uh, you always want to have a good amount of appropriate fat in your diet mm-hmm. it just you want it to come from like a healthier source right so you're looking at I mean avocados right they uh, yes. they have they're high in fat but they are very they're still healthy for you um, but they're health they're high in good fats right. same as nuts you know so they're they're offering higher amounts of fats but they're going to keep you sustained longer because they're combined you know you have you have the protein combination with nuts and then um so i think it's important to not just eat like healthier when i say eat more fruits and vegetables i don't necessarily mean low fat i just mean eat more fruits and vegetables uh as a part of what you're doing because that's where you're going to get a lot of those nutrients from yes so uh i'm going to shift gears just a little bit in as it's edible economy and we like to talk about a lot of local food issues as well. Is there a reason or a difference in people eating local or organic over conventional? <laughs> uh, or is it just personal preference? Um, so um, is there science and what's your, yeah. what's your preference? <clears throat> so a couple parts to this question um, regarding uh, organic foods, actually. So there's a lot of controversy associated with this. They've done a lot of studies to show that there are, um, in, in some circumstances, that there are increased potentially antioxidants uh, in organic foods. There's potentially higher levels of certain um, nutrients, but then some nutrients are the same uh, between conventional farming and uh, organic farming. Most of the studies consistently will say that pesticide residue left on conventional uh, is quite a bit higher than that found on organic foods. So um, from all of these things like there are benefits in the way that they are however how this translates into overall health benefit we don't actually know i mean i personally would like to give myself more antioxidants <laughs> but right. you know i mean that, that's my preference to give myself more antioxidants if they're available to me mm-hmm. um, but the studies are inconclusive and i think it's because there's a lot of you know confounding variables between person to person that you just can't control for you know i mean if you have a a genetic makeup that's setting you up for a heart attack at the age of 45 no matter you know you can have the most excellent cholesterol 
And no matter how many antioxidants you get, you may or may not be able to change that. And I think that that's why we don't know exactly what these long-term health benefits are. But at the basic science level, there are, there are added nutrients that they have found and less pesticide residue that they have found consistently over studies. Okay, and then yeah. something I wanted to add to yeah. what, what you just said is um, not all, just because something isn't organic doesn't mean that there's pesticides on it. So there's a lot of growers, right. especially local okay. growers, that, but, but I think that's a common misconception that people have. Either right. it's pesticides and it's conventional and they go hand in glove and that's right. that is option one or it's organic um, but there is a middle ground a sustainably farmed and, and then that's why you have to know your local farmers and yeah. buy from them right because it seems right. like if you just go to massive grocery stores and right then it is like black and white almost sure maybe it's not it just seems like it but if you then buy local then you know that yeah. there are the small farmers right. that aren't certified organic but they're still not spending money on pesticides. Right, and you'll know your romaine doesn't come from Yuba, Arizona. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so that the salmonella came from a different source. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then one more point that I just wanted to add uh, about the chemicals and the residues yeah. is a lot of these chemicals that are being used right now. There, there hasn't been adequate studies done on these. So correct. Yeah. Uh, how long have they bioaccumulated? Are they bioaccumulating? Yeah. Which I think they are. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. But what does so. that mean? And what are the effects of bioaccumulation over five years or ten years or thirty? You know, and that's something that we don't have any research on. Yeah, because I know, like my parents' generation, they didn't. They look at us a lot, and they're, oh, organic. Why would you? That's just more money, and you're throwing money down the drain, uh, because you know we didn't do that. Well, yeah, you didn't have the same chemicals being put on the ground and on your on your produce, or on everything you, that yeah. you touch and have in your home, and yeah, like. Yeah. And you didn't have GM, you know, corn sugars being used. And yeah, it's not just everything. coming at you from food. It's right. coming from everywhere, including right. the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna turn just a, a, another another turn pivot. Uh, here. Pivot. <laughs> we like the word pivot. Of course, no, we really don't we like don't. the word pivot. And waiting patiently with us uh, has been Neha's brother Samir and one of the connections we talked earlier about the connection of this podcast wants to dive into health and environment and local economy and food and all that good stuff and you actually present a really a really neat intersection of that because not only do you have the health side with the doctor part of you you also take off that hat and you put on another hat. You know, when you guys aren't doing your normal, regular nine to five jobs, what what else do you do? Do you do anything else? Just hang out. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do like to hang out. Yes, you do. <laughs> um, no, uh, both my brother and I uh, have been trying for years to convince my mom to actually start selling her chutneys. She's a phenomenal cook in the kitchen, um, and so. She makes these amazing. We second that, by the way. Yeah, second. <laughs> yeah, she's she, awesome. She makes these amazing chutneys, a, a mint chutney and a tamarind chutney, um, currently. Uh, so we've been, like I said, we've been trying to to get her for years to to start this and, and start selling them. Um, and so we we kind of gave her the push. And after meeting you guys, I think that that's kind of when things started to fall into place because we then had an avenue of what we could produce and and where we could actually sell it and market it. 
Um, and so now uh, on the weekends, <laughs> uh, we are at the <laughs> farmer's market selling these, you know, wonderful chutneys that my mom has created. So your company's Mile High Masala, and it's amazing. It is amazing. Um, we, we have friends that, like, come visit and have it at our house, and then we usually, like, let them take it home with them because they <laughs> love it. Yeah, And then I do. just got a text from one with a picture saying, send more. <laughs> <laughs> so, but can you tell people what chutneys are a little more? Because I think a lot of listeners probably aren't quite sure what that is. Yeah, so a, a chutney is pretty much a, a traditional Indian sauce uh, that you would find uh, accompanying most Indian meals. They kind of vary in uh, consistency from, say, like salsas to, you know, some of our thinner condiments like a steak sauce. Yes, I agree. You agree. I agree. That's a great <laughs> explanation. Um, so you guys have a mint one, right. which um, has a little kick to it but it's really refreshing that's the one I eat on everything but then your tamarind one is like some people compare it to like barbecue sauce or steak sauce right but it's it's a little sweeter than that right correct so our our mint is is gonna be that fresh savory flavor um, because it's fresh mint cilantro onion ginger it's all fresh spices Uh, and unlike a pesto even though it has a, a similar resemblance to a pesto there's no oil in it uh, it's a water base, so it's just very fresh herbs. And then our tamarind chutney is going to be the sweeter uh, of the sauces, but it's got a sweet, tangy, uh, and smoky flavor. Uh, it's naturally got a tangy flavor because tamarind is a very tart fruit, naturally. Okay. Um, so we do have to sweeten that up, and then we add some some spices to it to give it that smoky as well. Nice. And we always have, like new companies at the farmer's markets every year, and, and we're excited about how they're going to do and to meet them and see, you know, their presentation and how they're going to sell. And, and day one, we know, like, it's it's going to be a hit or a miss, you know. it's And you guys were... Yeah, we sure do. We do <laughs> now, 10 years later, right? Yeah. Um, and you guys are a hit. And so we know you're going to get picked up and you're just going to grow. And it's really exciting. And it's really exciting for your mom, too. So tell us what's her name, what's your mom's name? The her her chutney name. <laughs> her chutney name is the Chutney Boss. Oh, chutney right. Boss. Okay. And then Samir is the Chutney Ninja, and you're the Chutney Doctor, right? Correct. Okay. Perfect. So and they these all are have on their aprons. aprons. Yeah, and it's it's really cool. And, and um, Samir does a lot with graphic design, as well, like in your in your other job, right? So, right? Or tell us about that. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, in my in my other job, I'm actually a, a video producer. Um, you know, I travel the world uh, making, uh, you know, branded videos, uh, homepage videos and, and branded entertainment. And so, uh, you know, I've worked with some uh, really great designers over the years. And, uh, um, you know, I don't actually do any of the graphic design myself, but uh, I've been really lucky to, to know some really skilled and talented designers uh, who've been doing uh the jar, sorry, who've been doing uh, like our label design and our banner design and our table design and, and, and all that. Yeah. And your your booth definitely pops and it looks amazing. And and that's huge, too. Like we talk about, you know, small businesses and starting small businesses and all these small food businesses, especially and sure. all these things that go into it. Um, and so you guys are lucky 
you you definitely have a one up on a lot of people because you have all these um, experiences, and skill sets. Skill yeah. sets. Um, you have a solid team for a sure. Solid team. Yes. It's and been really neat to see the progression too. From, you know, we're gonna try this. We're gonna try this. Uh, you know, I I like this, and then we came out this year, and we said it's just night and day. It was so cool, and uh, you guys have just very unique a unique way of doing it because uh, we, we talked one of the things that we always have talked about with you guys is well there's this kind of authenticity that goes with some things and then you don't want to get too corporate and you guys really were able to walk and you are able to really walk uh you know the fine line between those and it's it's really a neat setup that you guys have and your mom's so cool yeah. having that. Yeah, too. we need to talk more about the Chutney Boss because she brings all this fun, like, yeah. authenticity. You know, she's like this adorable little Indian woman that loves to give everyone hugs and talk to them. Yeah, yeah. As and long has as a they smile want on to her talk. Face. And, and, um, and it's been great for her, too, right? Like, tell, tell us about that more. Like, just. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think as, as people get older and they retire and, and they come off of previous jobs, they don't, sometimes it's kind of hard to find yourself in something else. Uh, and so this has been an amazing uh, project for my mom, an amazing, you know, business to start up because she's got, you know, she has something that's given her that purpose again, like to have something to do, you know. I think my, my mom's always been the type that, that wants to do something and, and do something meaningful. And I think this is really a good way for her and you're right we have a very solid team you know we've had a lot of just <laughs> meals and, <laughs> and you know just talking about how we can advance our business and it's just been fun you know it's been very different it's busy time-consuming but it's been fun what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced either overcome still facing talk about some challenges yeah absolutely so um probably our, our biggest challenge has been trying to balance the chutney business with um, uh, w- with our other full-time jobs. Uh, I mean, obviously, Neha's got a, uh, a thriving medical practice that requires her full-time attention and finding the time to do it right and, and getting enough sleep, finding the time to make <laughs> <laughs> It is, isn't it? Right, because now, now your mom's like the slave driver, so she's like, I need to cook, I need to cook today, and where are my labels, and come on you guys and you're like well we're working today so um and then we're gonna come help you set up i mean setting up a a tent and a whole booth at the market is is no easy task i mean it it takes it's it's a lot of lugging and schlepping and it's not very fun so yeah so then you have to help her do that and and so now it's you know 24 7. You guys do have easy access in both the markets, though. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> One of them, you're out of the back of the car. That's true. That's and true. the other, you just you just go like two feet, four feet. Except they're like waiting for a spot <coughs> for that two feet. But yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's been a challenge, but you know, once once we see the you know, the reaction that the chutney gets, it kind of makes it all worth it. You know, the the response sure. that, that, that we typically see when somebody tries it for the first time and their face lights up and they say, oh, wow, this is phenomenal. I mean, that's that's kind of why we do it. I mean, that, and that really brings a lot of joy to our mom as well as the both of us. Yeah. I agree. 
Yeah, it's great. You know, you see like chutneys in the grocery store and you bring them home and then a lot of time, or, and this is with like salad dressing, this is like anything, right? And you bring them home and you're really disappointed once you open them. And um, so it's so good to be able to sample it at the market and then mm-hmm. your all's is phenomenal. So even better, but people are hesitant to buy that extra sauce that really finishes a meal because they don't know what it tastes like. So it's really awesome to be able to taste it and then easy to sell after that for sure. So tell us where are some places that people can find you guys, find your products, um, tell us your socials, all of that good stuff. We are at the Arvada Farmer's Market on Sundays and the Westminster Farmer's Market on Saturdays. Okay. In Um, Colorado. In Colorado. Yep. (laughs) Yes. Um, Um, so that's where we are. Uh, our our website is milehighmasala.com. We are uh, working on or working towards a, a Facebook page as well. Okay. I don't think we've actually uh, developed yet, but that's our next step. Still really young. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ship your product? We don't currently <laughs> ship our product, uh, and that is uh, one of the goals that we're working towards uh, this okay. year. We're, we're hoping to be able to do that you know, by the end of the year or early next year. Now, we, we do have a brand new product um, that just came online, and that is um, our curry kits. And uh, we're hoping that we can ship those out a lot sooner than uh, the rest of our product line. They, okay. they should ship a lot more readily. Yeah, and those are perfect gift size and everything as well. Correct. Yeah. And the curry kits are great. So you have like all the spices mixed together, and you have recipes. And, and that's another thing. Like you can buy a curry sauce at the grocery, you know, and then you don't like it because it's not the same as the Indian restaurant. Um, yeah, it's But your true. all's is amazing and gets that the the mixture is uh, authentic and it's great. Well, thank, thank you. you. That's actually one of the biggest um, points of feedback that we hear is that it's, you know, that our chutneys are a lot better than the chutneys that uh, you would find in a typical Indian restaurant or um, on the shelf of a typical Indian grocery store because, uh, you know, number one, because everything is so fresh and, um, yeah. you know, we don't use preservatives. And, uh, you know, the, the chutneys that you typically find at Indian restaurants are, are oftentimes watered down and, uh, you know, they're, they don't exactly reach their, their full chutney potential. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's something that, uh, you know, that we simply don't do. You know, we, we try to pack as, as many uh, fresh herbs and, and spices in as we possibly can uh, to make that flavor as full as we possibly can. And it is awesome. Yes. It is awesome. So I want to wrap up with one question. Um, and you guys, I want, to, I want to hear both of you, both of your answers. So if there's a message you could tell everybody in the world, if you could put it on a billboard, if you could send it out in a tweet and every single human could get it, um, I don't care if it's with local food, if it's with health, if you just had a message that you want everybody to hear, what would it be? Super Mine? simple. I may have a better chance at solving our health care issue. I'm just joking. I can't do that <laughs> single-handedly. Um, but no, I, I think it's actually my philosophy as a physician, as a, as a person, I think is to be kind to yourself as well as to others. I mean, that's what I want when, when people come into my office and, and if they're all about negative talk, 
self-depreciation. I don't like that. So okay, be kind to yourself also as well as to others. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Samir. So, so that's like do unto yourself oh. as you want others to do unto you. Yeah, really. I mean, it is. It is. But we are our worst critics. And, and I feel like sometimes that impedes our own health sometimes, you know? Yeah, and for I think sure it's it does. in the way of, of so many aspects of our lives, so... That's really cool. That's bumper sticker material right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I would just add to that. <laughs> uh, be kind to yourself and others. Eat well and finish your foods with chutney. <laughs> <laughs> Lifelong <Nice>. message. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can go to edibleeconomy.com. And see a picture of all of us sitting here today and check out our show notes and get the information for Dr. Felicia as well as for Mile High Masala. Do you have anything else, Nate? I sure do. I, again, want to say thank you for listening. And we, again, know there's lots of podcasts out there to listen to. You can spend your time doing lots of things. We're glad that you decided to spend some time with us. Please click the subscribe button and give us a great rating. Uh, It really does help the show. And we always have to say thank you to Truth and Legend Productions. Without you guys, we wouldn't be doing this show. So thank you. Go forth and what was it? Be your best chutney self. (laughs) 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 All right.